0: You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Well, tonight, guys, we're not going to be in the book of Exodus as we normally are on Wednesday evenings, but we are going to be in the book of Titus. So go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Titus chapter 3 is where we're going to find ourselves this evening And if you're not familiar with the book of Titus, uh, what it is, is it's very instructional in its nature, right? Throughout the book, Paul's been giving Titus direction on doctrine and instruction for Christian living. And he does that in a couple of ways. He starts out in chapter 1 by giving instruction for Christian living within the church. And then in chapter 2, moves into doctrine and instruction on Christian living within the home. And then now we find ourselves today in chapter three, where he's going to talk about doctrine and instruction on Christian living within the world. And so what Paul's doing here as we jump into chapter three is he's taking these instructions for Christian living and for doctrine from Titus's inner circle, right? The church in the home, and now to the outer circle of the world around him. And before we dive into the text, I just kind of want to paint a picture or give you a brief overview of where we're headed tonight. Uh, Paul lays out chapter three here in a very similar way to how he did in chapter two. So he starts off with some ethical instruction, uh, basically telling Christians to be nice people. And he tells us that, that we are to be good and ethical people with a doctrinal display of the gospel, and then he concludes with a little bit more instruction. Basically, hey, stay focused, stay on course, keep on track in regard to Christian living. And so as we work through the text tonight, we're going to see a theme of remembrance. Remembrance. And there's four areas for us to take note of that we need to remember tonight. The first is we need to remember to be nice and be ready. Remember to be nice and be ready. Number two is remember who you were. Number three is remember the saving work of God. And then number four, remember to stay on course. So number one, remember to be nice and be ready. So we're gonna jump right into it here in verse one, if you will, with me. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Hmm. Perfect courtesy toward all people. So Paul tells Titus to remind them, to remind them. Now the word remind here is in the present tense, right? So Titus is to go on, reminding them, or to consistently remind the Christians that were under his care. And I know there's at least a couple teachers in this room, and I know you know very well this concept of go on reminding or consistently remind. I just, I had a different illustration, but but Luke gave me a better one earlier today of, of some sixth graders that he was teaching and trying to keep them focused, keep them on track for their class. While there's lightning and thunder going on outside. So they needed this, this idea of consistent reminder in their life, right? I was one of those kids in school. I needed that consistent reminder. But my teachers did love me. They did. So go on reminding them. And what is it that Paul tells Titus to continually remind the people about? To be nice and to be ready, right? He mentions three ways for them to do this. He says to submit to rulers and authorities to be ready for every good work, and then essentially be nice. So first comes a reminder to submit to rulers and authorities, right? Titus is to remind the Christians under his care to show respect and humility towards all people, and especially those in a position of authority. See, the people of Crete, the area where Titus was, they didn't have the best reputation. If you go back to chapter 1 of Titus and look at verse 12, he says, One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. So this is the people that he's dealing with here, right? So this command to submit to rulers and authorities really had a special and particular meaning to these people, didn't it? Maybe they weren't being ruled by the best of people, but they were still called to be nice, right? I think this is a, a theme or a word that many in today's soc- society need to heed to. Next, Titus is to remind them to be ready for every good work. Be ready For every good work. So the Christian should be ready or be prepared to jump on any good work that God puts before him. And so we, tonight, we can ask ourselves do I have this mindset as I go about my day? Am I ready for every good work? Am I looking for how I can play a part in the good work that God is doing around me? Because the reality is, church, that God wants to do a good work around you. He wants to do a good work in your family. He wants to do a good work in your place of work. He wants to do a good work in the restaurant that you frequent. And you see, he wants to bring you into that work. The question is, are you ready for it? Are you anticipating it? Are you looking out for it? Are you asking God how he wants to use you throughout your day? Be ready for every good work. And lastly, we have a reminder to, in essence, just be nice, right? What what does he say in verse 2? Speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. I summed that up as be nice. So many times when I'm reading through the Bible, I feel like God's instructions to the church are are all too similar to the things that I tell my kids on a day-to-day basis. But the reality is, is that they're not the only ones that need to hear it, are they? So am I, and so are we. Be nice. So basically, like, don't be a jerk to people around you, right? In John 13, 35, Jesus said that people will know that you are my disciples because of your love for one another because of your love for one another be nice this is how the world's going to know that we are set apart and understand that the kind of kindness and love that we're called to here it is distinct to Christians so it goes even beyond just having good manners but but it stems from an understanding of who we are in Christ and who others are in the heart of Jesus, and having an understanding of who we are in Christ and who others are in the heart of Jesus. So this is our first reminder here, right, wrapped up in three parts, to be ready and to be nice, to submit to rulers and authorities, and to be ready for every good work. So let's pick back up here in verse three and look at remembering who we were. Verse three says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Remember who you were. Verse three, that's the call, right? Remember your testimony. Being reminded of our testimony reminds us of who we were before Jesus. And with that, we have a reminder to constantly stay where we should be in the Lord and continually growing in him. Paul makes his way through the list of traits that we all carried prior to walking in step with Jesus, right? Look look again at what he says. We were once foolish. We were disobedient. We were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. We passed our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I believe that remembering who we were before Jesus and then the work that he has done in our lives builds character in us in four different ways. The first is it builds in us gratitude for how God has changed us. Gratitude for how God has changed us. Secondly, it builds humility as we recognize that it was the power of God that changed us. Third, it builds in us kindness to others that are in a similar place that we once were. And fourth, it builds faith that no one's out of the reach of being changed by God. I've heard that so many times when somebody is sharing their testimony, like, man, if God changed me, he could change anybody. And the reality is, is that's so true. There's nobody around you that God cannot get a hold of. So remember who you were before the work of Jesus in your life. And now as we continue to move through the text, we find our next call to remember the saving work of God. Remember the saving work of God. Let's look at verse four together. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our savior, So we remember who we were, that our nature was not good, right? In Colossians 1, 21, it says it like this. You who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. See, this is who we were by nature before Jesus. And I love how how verse 4 starts out, but. But. You see, it all changes when we get this word, but. When God intervenes, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, you see, this is Jesus. When Jesus appeared, he saves us. So church, understand that that when we were in the place described above in verse 3, we did not rescue ourselves. We did not, we could not, and we cannot rescue ourselves from ourselves but it was the goodness and the loving kindness of God which rescued us. And then he says, not because of works done by us in righteousness. Guys, we have to know that righteous works are not what saves us. Righteous works are not what saves us. Being a good person will not get you to heaven, but rather when you're saved by Jesus, you are transformed And begin to live righteously. This is the work of sanctification, right? We talked about that on Sunday. You see, nothing that you do can save you. Being a nice person cannot save you. Being baptized does not save you. Reading your Bible will not save you. Church attendance and tithing do not save you. And don't get me wrong. These are all good things. They're all works of righteousness, which if we are in Christ, we should be doing, but they will not save you. Rather, we're saved according to his mercy, it says, right? According to God's mercy, not by works of righteousness. And remember that the emphasis, again, is on God. He saves us. We do not save ourselves. And how? How does this happen? By the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, many commentators will use this text to support water baptism being a necessary component for salvation, but but that's not what this text is supporting at all. What this text does describe is the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Think about it like this. See, we live in a, in a health-focused society, don't we? Like we care about the things that we put into our body. We don't want toxins in our body. And so we, we watch what we put into our body. And then we exercise to keep those toxins away from our body. Or at least that's, that's the goal. I don't so much. Well, see, the Bible tells us that there's a toxin within our soul, and it's called sin. Sin. Right? And and that that is what is keeping us far off and alienated from God. And no amount of push ups or sit ups or or CrossFit or broccoli or good works is going to get that out of us. Okay, think about it like this like a piece of fruit. If you pick an apple off of a tree and it tastes bitter, then most likely the root of that tree is bitter. And this is what sin is in our life it's a bitterness at our core, it is a bitterness at our root. It's the nature of who we are before Jesus. And so what Paul's getting at here is that the washing of regeneration is a work of the Holy Spirit by which he cleanses us at our core. So he's not just polishing that piece of bitter fruit in our lives, but he's completely cleansing the root. The Holy Spirit applies the finished work of Jesus on the cross to our hearts by identifying and cleansing the core of our problems. Understand that anything less will never rescue you. Anything less will never save you. God saves us by the washing and cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. And the second word that is used by Paul here to describe the work of the Holy Spirit is regeneration. So not only does the work of the Holy Spirit cleanse us, but it also regenerates us or it renews us, right? So the work of the Holy Spirit is also converting. He turns your heart toward Jesus and this regeneration is the birth of your new life in Christ. You are now dead to sin and alive to God in Christ, as Paul put it in Romans chapter 6. So the work of the Holy Spirit in us is both cleansing and it is renewing. He cleanses us and he applies the finished work of Jesus on the cross, making us now dead to sin and alive in God. And then in verse seven, he says that because of this work of the Holy Spirit, we're now justified by by the grace of God and heirs of eternal life with him. We are justified by the grace of God and heirs of eternal life. Life with him. How good is that? And then, because we're saved, verse 8 says that we are able to devote ourselves to good works. Because we are saved, we can now devote ourselves to good works. Again, good works do not save us, but we do good works because we are saved. Good works do not save us, but we do good works because we are saved. Don't put the card of works before the horse of grace. And this is also where, again, the work of the Holy Spirit comes into play. You see, he indwells us with a cleansing and a regeneration work and a regenerating work at salvation. And then when we receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit as he works through us to do those good works in the world around us. We have the Holy Spirit poured into our lives at salvation and then we must allow the Holy Spirit to be poured out of our lives to have an overflowing of the Holy Spirit within us if we are able, if we are to do effective ministry of the gospel. And so remember the saving work of God. Remember the saving work of God. Let's jump back in here. Verse nine. But avoid foolish controversies genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So remember to keep the course. Remember to stay on course. Coming off of verse eight, where Paul Paul's exhortation is to do good works because of the cleansing and renewing work of the Holy Spirit. He now exhorts the believer of what not to do, right? He says avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law. Basically, stay away from these things that we've seen pop up in the church in the past and focus on good works, right? If you read through the letters of Paul to these churches, you're going to see all these things, foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law. All of these things pop out throughout his letters to the church. And he's saying, stay away from those and focus on good works. He says that good works are profitable. They are good and they are constructive to you and to others. And these other things, they're unprofitable, right? They're pointless and they will get you nowhere. So focus on the good works which are profitable and avoid the foolish controversies and other things that are unprofitable. And lastly, Paul has one final instruction for Titus here. What to do with a divisive person. He says, hey, for those people that stir up division, talk to them about it. Talk to them about their behavior, warn them a couple of times, have those hard to have conversations. And then, if the behavior continues, have nothing to do with them, get rid of them. So, the application for us here is is pretty easy, right? And it's twofold. Number one, don't be a divisive person. Don't be a divisive person. And if you find yourself often causing problems or causing divisions, whether that be at home, whether it be at work, whether it be here at church, whether it be around your friends, stop. Just don't do that anymore. And if you know a divisive person, then bring it up with them, right? Be bold. Have the hard talk with them. That's one way that you can be nice. And if they don't bother to listen, then then disassociate yourself from them. So, again, focus on the things that are profitable, right? Remember to stay the course. Don't get sidetracked from the things that God has for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide you, to keep you on the course that God has for you. And so, as we close, how do we respond? what does all this mean for us tonight? Well, if you're here tonight and positionally you are in a relationship with Jesus, then the call is to remember, right? The call is to remember. Remember to be nice and to be ready, to be a decent human who's loving towards others, who is submissive, who is respectful. Remember to be ready for every good work that God would want to put in front of you and be looking for the ways in which he wants to use you. And then remember where you were. Man, there's so much power in our testimony. Don't forget the life that God has brought you out of. Remember, you have the unique opportunity now to minister the good news of the gospel to people that are living a lifestyle that you once did. Remember who you were. And then remember the saving work of God in your life. Remember the saving work of God in your life. You see, we, we cannot forget that it is only by God's goodness and loving kindness that in His mercy, He saved us. Remember that the emphasis is completely on God. There's nothing that we can do which would save ourselves but it's only by the washing and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit that we are saved. And because we are saved, we can and we should be doing good works in the name of Jesus. And finally, remember to stay the course. Remember to stay the course. Do the things that are profitable in life and avoid the things that are not. Remember to stay the course. And then if you're here tonight and positionally you are not in the family of God, you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then you have an opportunity to respond and and not to do so in remembrance, but in receiving. Today, you can invite the work of salvation into your life by simply asking God for it and believing that Jesus Christ came as the son of God down to earth and died a brutal death on a cross in your place, then rose from the dead defeating sin and death so that you might have access to a relationship with your creator. And if that's you today, all you have to do is acknowledge that truth and ask him for the cleansing and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit to take place in your life. You can do that right now in this moment. And if that is you, I would love to see you afterwards. I would love to pray with you and I would love to celebrate and to rejoice with you over the new life and the new identity that you have in Christ.